0: We're in the book of Proverbs, as you know, and uh, last week we started this uh, series on wisdom for living, and uh, it's just going to be about a six or seven week series, hopefully six, see where we go today, but uh, a lot of information on your notes, but a lot of it's just kind of, we fly through it pretty quick this morning. But we've been looking at, last week we looked at kind of an introduction to the book in our series and we looked at the need for wisdom and we found that in Ephesians chapter 5 where it says be careful how you walk. Walk circumspectly because the days are evil and uh, that tells us that we all need some wisdom and the source of our wisdom comes from God's Word. We saw that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's the definition we gave for wisdom itself. We said, wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based upon the principles found in God's Word. It's not enough just to know about the principles. A lot of people have the principles of God's Word maybe in their head, and that's a good thing. But they don't put them into practice. A wise person is someone who has the ability to make good decisions based upon the principles found in God's Word. And we looked at various benefits of wisdom, and we're not going to go through all these just for time's sake this morning, but we went over them last week, and you can get the message. And all the benefits began with the letter P. I was trying to figure out how to make benefits begin with B, but it just didn't work out. It was P. So we had perception, uh, prevention, prolong your life, peace, prosperity poise, protection, precision, prudence, and it's payoff. And we said that the beginning of wisdom, as found in chapter 9, verse 10, says simply, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you're curious, well, how do you get started on your path of wisdom? You need to go to the Lord and um, acknowledge who he is, come to him, and uh, basically Make him first in your life. Come to Christ. Repent of your sins. Turn your life over to him, and then all the wisdom of God will be open before you. Um, and so, it's it's kind of a important thing to understand that when we go through this book of Proverbs in, in a just kind of an overview fashion, that hopefully the information we're getting is practical information. Because the purposes of the book are very practical. Uh, We looked at these last week to give reverence and obedience to the heart. And we're going to find out the heart definitely needs that. And we saw that in chapter 1, verse 2. To provide discernment to the eye. We saw that in verse 2 as well. To develop alertness in the walk. To establish discretion and purpose in life. And then also to cultivate keenness of mind. Um, And so we want to basically wrap up, we wrapped up last week with the goal of the book being this, to blend together the knowledge gained from the fear of the Lord, the instruction of our fathers and the teaching of our mothers, to put that all together and to put it into practice. Well, today we want to move on and we want to look at what the Bible has to say about the heart. But before we do that, we kind of have to lay a little foundation. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 1, in verses 20 to 35, We see here, basically, some warnings against refusing wisdom. There's some people that will refuse wise advice. Have you ever met any of those people? You tell somebody, they ask you what to do, and you tell them what to do, and they go out and do the exact opposite. Not that your opinion really matters, but hopefully you're gaining your counsel from the word of God. And so you're sharing with them biblical principles And if you make this decision, here's what's going to happen, but here's what, what God's word says that God would want you to do. And then they go out and they do something just totally the opposite. Well, there's a great need for us to give attention to the areas of our lives that maybe make us offensive to others. We don't like to be offensive to others. At least I don't. I mean, I don't wake up in the morning going, who, who can I offend today? You know, we don't do that. But sometimes that happens. And sometimes we're disobedient before God. And, and a lot of times God words, God's word most of the time speaks directly to these issues. And there's a lot of times that his reproofs are indirect. Maybe they're from other sources. But wisdom should be our goal. And even though wisdom is available, we don't always want to accept it, uh, because we're not always responsive to God's word. Well, some basic facts about wisdom, and we see these in uh, Proverbs chapter one. Look at verse 20 to t- 32. And I just want to share a couple things here. In verse 20 and 21, it says, "Wisdom calls from outside. She raises her voice." In the open squares, it's using she as referring to wisdom. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gate in the city. She speaks her words. First thing is that wisdom is available to us. We have godly wisdom that is available to us, that we can apply to our lives. And so we want to, first of all, note that wisdom is available. Every time you open the pages of God's holy word, you're seeing some form of wisdom before you. Godly wisdom. Well, it's not only available, but if you read down a little further in verse 24 and 25, it says, because I have called you and what? You what? What's it say? You refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Wisdom is not only available, but wisdom can be spurned. Wisdom can be spurned. Wisdom can be kind of just thrown aside and say, you know what? Hey, thanks for the advice, but that happens all the time. And there's basically three kinds of people in verse 22 there that is explained who spurns Wisdom. Who refuses godly wisdom? First of all, it says the simple. Those who are just wide open to anything. You might call them naive. They're easily deceived. They're easily enticed. They don't check out the sources. Whatever the person says, they just kind of go along with it. Then you have the scoffer. Those who are skeptical. And they're, they're even given to mock God mock his wisdom they view the word of God almost with contempt and then thirdly you have the fool and it says the fool hates knowledge the fool is the person who basically they misuse what they hear and believe and they believe that they can survive without God they don't need God they're self-sufficient So those are three kinds of refusers, you might call, of wisdom. But when you spurn wisdom, it can have some very serious and some very bitter consequences. And I'm sure that we can go around the room this morning and share examples of how, yeah, you know, I remember one time when God God told me to do this, or someone who was godly gave me a biblical principle to do, and I didn't listen to. it, And I went this way instead of that way. And it wasn't a pretty outcome. It says in verses 26 and 28 When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will not accept my counsel. They spurn all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. The waywardness of the naive shall kill them. Shall kill them. See, When wisdom is spurned, there's consequences. And what Solomon is pointing out in those verses 26 and 28 and 31 and 32 of chapter 1 is that, you know what, there comes a point in time where when you continue to refuse biblical, godly advice, counsel, wisdom, there comes a point that it's too late. Because the consequences are already reaping the results in your life. And they've been set in reversible motion, irreversible motion. I remember one time, I was a youth pastor and I was dealing with a gal that got too friendly with her boyfriend. And they both came in to see me and share with me that the inevitable happened. We don't know how this happened." They went on and on for like five minutes. And I'm sitting there with a sick feeling in my stomach saying, just say it. She was pregnant. And I said, well, I don't think you need to tell me. I don't think you need me to tell you how this happened. (laughs) Okay? It's kind of common sense. But certain stages in the relationship, warnings were given and whatever, and they didn't listen. They spurned the wisdom. And the consequences were set in irreversible motion. They were going to have a baby. They didn't even have a family yet. So sometimes when we, when we give wisdom a, just a rebuke or a reproof in our life, we just don't, we don't accept it It has consequences, and we need to remember that. In verse 25 it says, You neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. Reprove means to convince. It contains the idea of kind of conviction, having some form of conviction. But in the practical terms here, reproof is God's personal criticism. In other words, there's times in our lives when God comes alongside of us because he loves us and he's a gracious God, and he he begins to speak to us through his word, maybe through other believers, through the Spirit, and he begins to say, you know what, this needs to change in your life. And we need to stop and ask ourselves, are we listening for that voice of God through his word? Proverbs 6.23 says that the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. In other words, when God's truth and the clarification of that truth shine upon us, shine upon our hearts, shine upon our thought patterns, reproofs often accompany them. And God may use his word, he may use A loved one, he may use a spouse, he may use a child. But sometimes God needs to speak something special to our hearts. And sometimes those, that wisdom is not heeded. Sometimes it's willful, as you see in verse 24, he says, hey, I called and you refused. Sometimes it's because of insensitivity in verse 24. He says, I stretched out my hand, but nobody paid any attention. Or maybe it's indifference as you find in verse 25. You neglected all my counsel. Or maybe verse 25 as well, it says, Did not want my reproof. Sometimes we get defensive, don't we, when people call us alongside and begin to share information with us. They mean to help us. All of a sudden our defenses kick in and and we don't want to hear it. We always want to think that, no, you're the one that needs to listen, not me. That's just how we approach life. And you have to ask yourself at times, are you stubborn? Are you willfully refusing what God is trying to say to you? Are you insensitive? Are you indifferent? Because all those things will cause wisdom to be kind of kept out of your heart. Proverbs has a lot to say about the heart. If you've read through the book of Proverbs, you know that. It's mentioned some hundred times throughout the book of Proverbs. And God is quite concerned about our hearts. It's the spiritual muscle that the Bible refers to as the heart. And this book that we're looking at shares with us various things about our heart. It brings attention to our heart. The first time in, in, in Proverbs chapter two, verse two, where we're told to allow our heart to discover the joy of understanding. And the last time it's used in Proverbs, is in Proverbs 31:11, where the godly woman's husband is said to have a heart that trusts her. And all sandwiched between those two verses, the heart is mentioned over and over and over and over again. Well, what do we mean by the heart? What am I talking about? Look at, look, let's look at the definition. The heart is the source of life. Without a heart, you're not alive. It's the seat and the whole of the inner man. By that, I mean it includes everything from your feelings, your desires, your affections, your motives, your will, your intellect, your principles, aim, everything. The heart is the most in-depth point of a man's spiritual life. So when you're talking about the heart, you're talking about a very serious item. The Bible mentions different kinds of hearts. Proverbs actually mentions different kinds of hearts. I think they're listed there for you. The different characteristics of the hearts. A heart of wicked that, that plans... Wickedly, heart of sensuality, heart of deception, heart of bitterness, heart of happiness, heart of haughtiness, heart of rage, heart of envy. All different kinds of hearts that are mentioned there throughout the book of Proverbs. Well, what makes the heart these different types? What makes the heart hearts different in different people? If you look at Proverbs 23... Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Our hearts are characterized by what we think about most of the time. If you want to know what kind of heart you have, you can pick from the list there. What are you thinking about? What do you think about when you're not thinking about anything? (laughs) That will tell you what's going on in your heart. Look at chapter 24, Proverbs 24, verses 1 and 2. It says... Do not be envious of evil men nor desire to be with them for their heart devises violence and their lips talk of troublemaking. Our hearts are characterized by what we talk about. What do you talk about when you're just talking? To talk. (laughs) See, that's a picture of your heart. And lastly, and I'll just read it for you. You don't have to turn there. In Luke chapter 12, it tells us very clearly that our hearts are characterized by how we spend our leisure money. Where does our money go? 1234 says this, for where your treasure is, what? There your heart also will be. So those three things characterize our hearts. Well, what are some problems of our heart? Sometimes, you know, when you have heart problem, that's a pretty serious thing, right? Sometimes, you know, you get frustrated. You know, you try to call and make a doctor's appointment. And then they, you know, well, okay, th- three weeks, four weeks, whatever. You know, we got this, blah, blah, blah. They give you all this rigmarole. All you have to do is call up. I remember I did it. I was dropping my wife off from work. And, uh, just having, I was telling her, I just, you know, just has got this pain in my chest. You know, I've had this pain for a couple of weeks. It just comes and goes and, you know, but it's just, you know, it's nothing serious, I don't think. And so I'm telling her this before she goes into work. Well, you don't need to call guys. You need to, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, well, well, well. Well, you know, so she goes into work. So I'm in the car and got my cell phone. I'm like, well, I'll just call them right now. So I call them. And, uh, <clears throat> well, what's the problem? Sir? Well, I'm just having some, just, uh. I don't think it's a big deal, but what's the problem, sir? Well, I, I, I just got some pro, uh, pain in my chest. I mean, you know, you think that I was the president of the United States. Oh, well, where are you at? Are, are you, well, I'm in my car. Are you driving? I, well, no, I'm not driving. I'm sitting in a parking lot. Okay, well, don't drive anywhere. I said, ma'am, I'm fine. Settle down. I mean, she was giving me a heart attack just listen to her response. Okay? But all you have to do is call up and say you got some pain. In your, man, they'll wash you right in there. Okay? And boy, you got an appointment that afternoon. Why? Because it's a serious thing. Hearts are serious things. Without them, we aren't alive. But they got some problems. They definitely got some problems. In chapter 5 of Proverbs, verse 12 to 13. Proverbs 5, verse 12 to 13, it says, And say... How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instruct me. Like we said earlier, the heart spurns reproof. It, It doesn't just naturally open itself up to heeding biblical advice. That's a problem of our heart. It says I've hated instruction. What's the answer to that problem? I mean, we're just negative. We got this built-in thing within us that's negative to any counsel. It's just there. Well, over in chapter 10, verse 8 gives you the answer. The wise in heart will what? Receive commands. But a prating fool will fall. And even in 12.1, it also says basically the same thing. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I want to show that verse to my grandkids, because whenever I say the word stupid, they respond, Grandpa said the S word. I don't know where this came from, but I mean, the first time I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? And so, you know, that's, I want to show that verse to them so that they can get over this thing with the word stupid. But you know what? We're not. We don't have a heart that's inclined to desire wisdom. We have a heart that's inclined to do just the opposite, to reject it. And what's the answer to accept it? We also have hearts that are bent on sensuality. Our hearts are bent on sensuality. Look at chapter 6, verse 23 and 25. Proverbs Proverbs 6, verse 23 and 25. It says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep from you, or to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your what? Heart. All right. Our hearts are bent toward sensuality. And over in uh, chapter seven, same thing, verse twenty-four and twenty-six. It says, now, therefore, listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. All right. Um, It's so important that we understand that our hearts are bent on sensuality. That's just the way that they're made. But look at chapter 6, verse 20, and you see the answer for that. Action that's not honoring the Lord. He says in in verse 20 of chapter 6, My son, keep your father's commands, do not forsake the law of your mother, bind them continually upon your what? Heart. Tie them around your neck. So there's ways that we can deal with these actions of our heart that aren't necessarily honoring to to the Lord. The heart is also susceptible to anxiety, to gloom, to depression. People deal with this all the time. It's even spoken of in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Wow, two for one. You want to get depressed? Get anxious. But that's so true, isn't it? Chapter 14, just turn the page, verse 13. It says, even in laughter, the heart may sorrow. And the end may be grief. Well, what's, what's the answer to that? In 1430, it tells us: it says, a sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. In other words, get some joy in your life. Chapter 15, verse 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but a sorrowful heart, uh, but by sorrow of the heart, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So we need sometimes to just kind of relax and to realize that, hey, you know what? God has things under control. We don't need to be all anxious and gloomy and depressed. I mean, if you want to get that way, just turn on the news. I mean, it's very easy. You'll be pulling your hair out or scratching your head or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's important that we understand that that's the way our heart naturally goes. Those are the natural inclinations of our heart. And the heart leans toward also indiscriminate sharing. It says in verse 2 of chapter 18, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in ins- but in expressing what? His own heart. There's a tendency that's characterized sometimes by too much transparency. Sometimes we talk too much. We get ourselves in trouble. Well, those are some of the things that the actions of the heart, the problems of the heart are are there. we read this morning Proverbs chapter two verses one through whatever we actually read the whole chapter. But as you focus on verses one to nine, it kind of shows you how you can get this kind of wisdom that we're talking about in Proverbs chapter two, and it's talking about. It uses a a kind of a phrases here that, that talk about treasure. It talks about searching for things. Have you ever been little and you started searching for, uh, you know, something, maybe a lost toy or whatever? I remember one time we, we thought that we were going to dig a, a, a tunnel to China. It's just crazy. We went over on the side hill and we started digging in this shale thing. And we, the more we dug, the bigger this, this cave-like thing got. I don't know what it was. And we got in trouble for my brothers and everything because, I mean, we basically almost took down the whole mountainside because <laughs> we just come up thinking, wow, we're going to find something, a relic or something. And we, we'd go out there for days and just dig in the dirt. I mean, it kept us entertained for weeks throughout the summer. So my brother came home one day and looked over there and saw this gaping hole. What are you doing? <laughs> but it was almost like we were mining for something. Have you ever gone and, and searched for uh, gold? Has anybody ever done that? I had a, a buddy in college, Kerry Barnett was his name, and uh, he was a roommate, and pastor's son. And he lived up over in a little town uh, out in the valley near, uh, down near Fresno somewhere. I, I can't remember the name of the town. A little tiny town, real small church. And uh, he took me home one weekend from college, and uh, he said, that, uh, Have you ever been um, dredging for gold? I said, No. Why? I'm mean, i sure they found it all. Why would you do that? Oh, no, no, you can go out. And and so the more he talked, the more I got interested in it. You know, I had some college payments I had to make and things like that. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, we'll go out and we'll find a nugget. And, you know, boy, it would just be wealth. And so he's telling me, oh, yeah, you know, and then to top it all off, he brought out this little vial of gold that he had that he found up in the Sierras there in the foothills. And So we get to his house and, you know, met his parents and everything. And Friday and dinner and everything. And I'm getting kind of excited about this. And that night he got the, he had, a, he had an actual dredger thing that we had to carry down to the, the creek, river, or whatever you call it. And, and uh, you know, it was this piece of machine that you stick in the water and it automatically sifts out all the gold. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a breeze, man. We're going to have our pockets lined with gold. And I just got so we're up early Saturday morning. We get up and, you know, out there it's pretty hot. You know, uh, and you, many of you went to Jerry's wedding, and you know how hot it can be out there. That's what it's like. And it was just hot and dry, and it was just kind of this just hot day. And we got up early, had a good breakfast, or mom cooked or something, and we went down and loaded the pickup up, and we got this uh, dredger down there, and he went to his favorite spot, and we parked, and we unloaded this thing. It's kind of heavy, you know, and you had to haul all this equipment down this bank and down this trail, and we got to the bottom, and... And and I'm looking around, and and I'm thinking, Gary, where's where's the water? Well, it's been kind of a drought. You know, this is back in the the 80s. And he goes, so, you know, we'll have to search for it. And I'm thinking, okay, what are you talking about? You know? And we started carrying this dredger all over this this rocky, dry bottom. And it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. A lot of work. And... And I remember getting to the finally this pool of water, stagnant water. Oh, and he was all excited. I'm like, okay, I don't see how this is gonna work, you know. And he got the thing set up, and he started, you know, the dredging thing, and you know, and we got a whole lot of nothing. I mean, just to be honest with you, I mean, you know. I mean, he'd see, oh, see here, I, said, I don't see anything, Carrie. I mean, I don't know what you've been drinking or whatever, but, you know, this, this is not something that, that is uh, conducive to gold. It doesn't look like a gold nugget to me, maybe a little speck or something. Carrie didn't drink, by the way. That was just, I don't know what, where that came from. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes when we come to God's word, we just want everything to be handed to us. Right? Well, sometimes you've got to do some mining. Sometimes you've got to get down and you've got to really understand what God wants you to discover. And there's nuggets in there. Trust me. But how can you become a person of God whose life is constantly walking in honor of Him? I mean, that's a desire that we all have as Christians. How can we discover those riches in God's Word that will help us to do that? And see, in this next little set of things here, in Proverbs chapter 2, we see some of the preparations of the heart that have to take place before we can ever even entertain God's wisdom. And it's like when we went dredging for gold, I mean there were some preparations that had to take place. You know, we had to put the gas in the machine, we had to do all the stuff, we had to drive to the place, we had to hike down, we, we had to do some stuff. Well, The only good thing is in God's word, the gold is really there, okay? There really is wisdom there for us to glean and to get. And he talks about this treasure. And in verses 1 through 4, he talks about the preparation of the heart. First thing is he talks about the disciplines of his word. If you want wisdom from God, you have to begin to prepare your heart for how do you do that? You look to God's word. The first thing is you have to possess the right attitude toward God's word. It says, my son, if you receive my words, right, and treasure my commands within you. That word means to take along with you, to take it in. I guarantee you at the bottom of that dry rock bottom or whatever, creek bottom, if I would have found some gold, it would have come home with me. I wasn't going to leave it there. This wasn't a catch-and-release deal, okay? I mean, I wanted the gold. It's just we didn't find any. Well, when we come to God's Word, we have to have the right attitude. And discovering God's treasure begins with an attitude that says, you know what, I, wanna, I want the Bible to make sure that you know, I'm making the proper decisions, that it's giving me direction as a Christian. If you open up the book and go, oh, gee, what do I have to do now? That's not the right attitude. But if you open up the book and say, man, God, what do you have for me today? What are you going to teach me today? I guarantee you, he will teach you something. I think, secondly, you also have to saturate your mind with God's word. It says, treasure your commands, my commands within you. That word has a way of talking about hiding away, not just taking it with you, but hiding it away and storing it up within you. And we're told to do that. Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I treasured. In my heart. And so, when you think of mining gold, or you think of mining nuggets of gold from God's word, we have to understand that we're responsible to conceal in our, in our own minds God's truth so that we preserve them as special and valuable. Um, we have a lot of people today that maybe understand principles in God's word, but how they understand it is by hearsay. They didn't discover it on their own. Somebody else told them. And I mean, that works sometimes too. But there's something about the process of getting into God's Word and understanding it and reading it. Well, Also, there's the disciplines of inner desire. It says there in verse 2, we must have an attentive ear. Um, It's possible sometimes for us to slip through the empty motions of reading the print of Scripture just to do a devotion or just to do Whatever. And that's what he says in verse 2, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. The term attentive means to cause to be alert, that you apply your heart to understanding. We need to make sure that we're listening when we open God's word, that we have an attentive ear, and that we also have an open heart. It says, incline your heart to understanding. That really means to spread out, to stretch out our minds so that we are at a point where we can respond to life situations based upon the wisdom that we glean from God's word. I mean, if you're going to go, if you're going to make any money at dredging gold, you're not going to do it in an office, right? You're going to do it out doing what they do. And it's the same thing here. This isn't for passive Christians. This is for somebody who wants to get into God's word and really has a desire to understand it. And then the the third thing there, or the fourth thing is, um, or third thing is prevailing prayer. It says there in verse 3, he says, yes, if you cry out for discernment. When's the last time you looked at a verse and you just said, man, I don't have a clue about this. God, show me. Show me what this means. Or maybe there's a situation in life and you're up against the wall and you don't know what to do. When's the last time you just went to your knees and said, God, show me through your word, what kind of decision should I make here? I don't want to make a decision that's not honoring to you. And he says, we must request understanding. This instruction, this request for understanding is coupled with the preceding line. It leads us to the realization that the source of wisdom and understanding is from who? From God alone. And that source is of little value if you fail to tap into it. I remember one time I was, almost ran a car out of oil. I mean, I thought it was the water in and it wasn't it was the oil the crankcase was almost dry and i remember i was just you know not near an auto store or whatever and i'm just praying lord just get me to the place get me to the place and um, finally made it to an auto quest or something and you know turned the car off ran in bought you know 6 quarts of oil popped the hood poured the oil in thinking okay everything's good had some left over Went to my trunk, opened my trunk. Guess what I found in my trunk? Oil. (laughs) I had like six or seven bottles of oil in my trunk. But it wasn't doing me any good because I didn't tap into it. Sometimes that's how we look at the Word of God. We keep this Bible on our shelf or whatever and we're we're asking for wisdom in different areas of our life and God's saying, get into the Word. Get into the Word. Ask me. I'm there to help you. And then also just the disciplines of daily consistency. It says there in verse 4, That if you seek her as silver, a mining term, and search for her as for hidden treasure. You know, you must seek wisdom with diligence. It's not just going to fall in your lap. That word seek indicates a purpose of discovering something. Just like when we went in that truck down that and walked down that uh, path all the way to the bottom. I mean, the the only reason we did all that is because I thought I was going to get some gold out of the deal. If he would have said, hey, you want to carry this heavy piece of equipment down to a dry lake bed and just, you know, creek bed and we'll just kind of sit around and stare at the mud, that sound like a fun morning, Steve? No, it wouldn't, not in 100-degree weather. But what kept me going? That piece of gold, see? And that's the same thing with God's Word. God's Word should be precious to our hearts. It should be something that we, we, we treasure. But you have to seek it with diligence and you have to pursue wisdom with patience. He uses a the term there, and search for her as for hidden treasure. One thing you know about people who look for treasures is that they're what? They're patient people. I saw a documentary on the guy that he, he discovered the, uh, uh, the, the boat. What's the boat called? The, what? Titanic? Yeah, the Titanic and a bunch of different ships. And even during the documentary, you're watching the documentary, and he's just showing them how the equipment works. And he goes, oh, look, I think we found something. And he found something else. And But he said, they asked him during this documentary, you know, what's... And he goes, well, one of the things is you have to be patient. You can't just go out one day and think you're going to find the Titanic. No, you gotta, you got to do some research. you got to understand. you got to pursue wisdom with patience. That's what he's saying. And when you're digging, you're digging for the purpose of searching something out. And that implies taking some time. It's not playing morning devotion Bible roulette. What do you have for me today, God? Let's see. That's not going to get you any wisdom. And all that is basically what happens as the the results of that is you you have the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. Those two things are, are key to any Christian's life. I mean, in any mining project, the goal is what drives the workers. If the discovery is worthless, then the project, what? It becomes bitter. You know, I look at that experience with the the You know, I don't look back and say, oh, have you ever been dredging for gold? And I, somebody asked me, that, oh, yeah, it was just a wonderful experience. No, I go, yeah, I've been there. I ain't going there again either. Why? Because I didn't find anything. I guarantee if I would have found $100 worth of gold, man, I would have said, hey, let's go, right? So the the results here of searching this out are the fear of God and the knowledge of God. And God promises to give us benefits. And they're listed there in verses 6 through 9. God causes wisdom and knowledge and understanding to result from within us. They're not separate from Him, but they're sourced in Him. He gives us His protection, He shields us. Proverbs sixteen seven. He guards our path. And God directs us into a successful pursuit marked by satisfaction in life. Those are the, some of the benefits of searching this out. Well, when it comes to our heart, we have to understand that our hearts, in their default form, are what? They're wicked, they're evil, right? They're perverse, they're, 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 they're alienated from God. And the only way that we can tap into the wisdom of this book is to have that understanding before we even open up the pages. Because if we come to the book and say, oh, you know, I'm just so smart, I'm just going to understand everything in here. No, you're not. You need to rely, you need to humble your heart and come before a holy God and say, God, give me something out of your word today to, make me, to help me through the day. Maybe you're in a counseling situation. God, give me the answer from your word. You know, so many times we run to books. And we run to other people. Go to God. Go to his word. The practical instruction that God gives for the heart is found in Proverbs 4, verse 23 you don't get anything, get this this morning. It says, keep your heart, Proverbs 4.23, with all diligence. In other words, watch over your heart. Why? He says there, uh, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. See, your heart is the center of everything that you are. And you're, we're called to watch over that heart. Would you put your money in a bank if you went down to the bank at midnight and it was wide open? Safe's open? Well, oh, we just go in the, honest, the honor system here. You know, you just come in and take whatever, and you know, we're trusting that you're putting in the right amount and taking it out. I don't think your money would be in that kind of a bank, right? You just wouldn't do it. That wouldn't make sense. Well, see, every day we're, we're making deposits into our heart. Every day, there's withdrawals made from our heart. And is our heart just like an open bank? Or are we guarding our heart? Are we asking God to help us keep a guard over our heart? If our concealed heart is well guarded, then we'll be able to discern God's voice. I really believe that. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about the voice of the Spirit, the voice of this Word, the voice of advice from others. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. The problem is so many times we get all this, all our hearts are cluttered with all sorts of stuff. Idols and substitute things, and, and, and we're just way off the mark. And so God's speaking to us, but we can't hear it. So we need to stop and we need to remember that as we look at the book of Proverbs, the first start is, where's your heart? Spend some time thinking about that. Spend some time thinking about what God says about your heart. Because God definitely wants you to have a pure heart. But you're not going to make it pure on your own. The only way you can purity can come to your heart is if it comes through you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're putting your faith in Him. You're repenting of your sins and you're turning to God and you're saying, you know what? I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what else to do. Be merciful to me, a sinner. God will make your heart exactly what He wants it to be. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. Lord, we pray that as we look at our own hearts, we don't have to look very far to understand that they are not pleasing to You in so many different ways. Even as Christians, Um, We don't live 100% in the Spirit 24-7. And there are times when the darkness of our heart is unveiled. But Father, we pray that through your grace and through your mercy, that you will help us as believers to gain the wisdom that we find in your Word and that we're going to find in the coming weeks in the book of Proverbs. But Lord, help us to make preparation in our heart in the meantime. Help us to begin to read through the book of Proverbs. Help us to begin to ask you to show us where the gold is and what we can glean from maybe verses or passages of Scripture. Lord, help us not to just become a Christian that opens the Bible in the morning just to do the devotion, just to get it done. But Lord, help us to have that minor mentality that we're searching for something that is very precious very helpful and Lord I know that you will allow us to find it and Father we pray for anyone here this morning who's yet to put their faith their trust in you that you would cause them to cry out to you that you would help them in their unbelief to see the big picture of who you are that you're not in a a God who's in heaven, who's angry and trying to control them, but you're a God who's in heaven and loves them dearly. And out of your love for them, you want to reach out to them, and forgive their sin, creating them a new heart. Take away the old stony heart and put a heart of flesh, a heart that can be pure, purified by your grace and your word. That they would cry out to you. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.